It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3. Michiana's News Channel, your breaking news and weather station. With financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett, and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Hello and welcome to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group right here on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, where every week we are breaking down relevant and necessary financial planning concepts and strategies with the goal of helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Guys, my name is Mike Bernard and in the studio with me, my business partners, Josh Gregory and Kevin Corhorn. We are looking forward to today's show. Thanks for spending the hour with us. Yeah, today's show is going to focus on one of life's biggest financial risks that can completely derail your retirement. And I'm referring to the risk that you or someone you love will need long-term care services at some point in your life. So this is a show all about planning for senior care. Later this hour, we're going to be answering your questions. So continue to submit them at wisemoneyradio.com. Or by phone, 574-222-2000. You don't like what we're talking about today? This is your chance to influence what we're talking about. So submit a question. The first one today, we're going to be talking about budgeting, one of the most common questions that we get about budgeting. So you're not going to want to miss that. Okay, but today, most of the show, we're going to be talking about long-term care, like Kevin said. I've been looking forward to talking about this discussion for a long time now. It's a huge financial risk, very difficult to plan for. When you hear long-term care, though, let's first define what we're talking about. Those of us in the financial world, when you hear long-term care, you think long-term care insurance. Well, that's part of it. Some people, when they hear long-term care, they think nursing home. Well, that could be a component as well. But when we're talking about long-term care today, we're really talking about a range of services that people may need to meet their personal care needs. So long-term care can be medical care. But most of the time, it's not. It's just assistance with some basic uh, personal tasks of everyday living. So like, you know, bathing yourself or getting dressed or eating. And that could arise from having a major surgery. So you're not able to do those things or maybe having cognitive impairment. I actually have right now six clients that I'm dealing with who have recently been diagnosed with Alzheimer's or dementia. And we're trying to figure out what the options are for care and what the costs are. It's just tragic, hard financially and emotionally. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting that you bring up Alzheimer's because just this week I had uh, a, a lady fly in from out of town uh, because a client that I serve, 93-year-old woman, has Alzheimer's setting in. And this lady is literally her only family member in life. She wow. has no kids, no spouse or anything like that. And she's having to step in as the power of attorney for my client, 93 years old again. Yeah. And uh, I, I would have told you, I, I've been working with this lady for 12 to 13 years or so. And uh, our firm has been working with her even longer than that. And I would have told you she's going to live to 100 and she will be sharp as a tack until the day she dies. And I... I I should know better, obviously, than to think that way. But, um, boy, it's, it's shocking to me because I just learned, I mean, this, this dear old lady literally is, is starting to gain a lot of confusion. She's really um, losing a lot of that cognitive ability. She literally said to this only family member that her mom and dad were upstairs making a lot of noise. Oh, wow. Her mom and dad have been gone for years, decades, right? 
and she lives in a ranch house. So, you know, she's, I don't want to say she's lost it, but because there's very much still lucid moments and she's got a great memory. She's an awesome woman to sit and hear stories from, but she can't trust her own thinking at times. Yeah, that's tragic. I'm sure a lot of us have stories of instances like that with our own family members. I know I do as well. Well, I think that's true. And yet most families, though, aren't talking about this very issue. In fact, I, I just read a statistic the other day that said that 39% of people know whether or know what their family members, their relatives' wishes are as it pertains to, to uh, long-term care, kind of senior care issues. In other words, about two-thirds of people don't have a clue what their family members would want. They're not talking about it. Yeah, I actually, that seems high to me. I would have, I would have said only 20%. Of people are talking about but it's a major financial issue if if you find yourself needing care it can be extremely expensive absolutely and it's, it's expensive not just financially but also emotionally and relationally as well because your caregivers are gonna go through all kinds of stress especially if they're a family member so it, it, we're talking about this. This shows about financial planning. So we're talking about needing a long-term care service and how to plan for that financially. Here's a couple stats to just throw out there. If you're, if you're listening thinking, gosh, really, is this that important? Do I need to be thinking about this? So seven out of 10 people will need some sort of home health care at some point during their life. And even more staggering than that, 60 to 75% of people 65 years old or older will need some sort of long-term care service at some point in their life. So that's a significant amount of us that are going to be facing this issue for ourselves. And almost it's going to impact at least every family, at least someone in your family is going to be dealing with this, with those odds. That's exactly right. And, and that's exactly why this show is meant to spark a conversation within your family. You know, get, get the conversation started. We need to be planning ahead because the cost of waiting is, is not only financially significant, but also, I mean, we've, we've seen examples where it tears families apart, literally. So let's then turn the table and talk about the actual financial cost then. So if we've made the case that long-term care service is something that you, you really should consider as part of your overall kind of protection plan, what about the cost? What's the cost of needing care? Well, I don't know if you have any anecdotal evidence of this, Kevin, but, uh, you know, this example that I just brought up, this 93-year-old woman who is now shifting into a nursing home because she can't be at home by herself, uh, they're quoting her prices 10000 a month to be in a skilled nursing. Now, she needs a lot of care. She needs skilled care. Mm -hmm. So there's absolutely a continuum here, a spectrum of what kind of care people need. Previously, she had people coming into her home. Uh, and, and many of those people, this was not a home health agency. She literally just found some people off the street. And I am personally convinced that they were ripping her off, by the way. Really? Uh, yeah, we had to kind of step in and intervene there a little bit. But uh, because she didn't, she, she made the mistake of not choosing her home health care aides through an agency, a reputable company, that kind of thing. But uh, even there, she was spending thousands of dollars each month because she needed someone there at home around the clock. Okay, so I want to come back to that example that you're sharing and to figure out how you're dealing with that, how you're planning for it financially. But I still want to just narrow in on the cost here. So 10 grand a month is an example. Kevin, you were going to say something. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it, whether it's home care or nursing home care, 
when you when you look at home care, you could be anywhere from fifty dollars a day, a couple days a week, depending on what the level of services are and what the needs are. So it could be anywhere from fifty dollars a day. It could be twenty four hour round the clock coverage, and that could get into hundreds of dollars a day. And the same thing with a nursing home. The cost of a nursing home is somewhat dependent on what type of room do you have. Do you have a private room? Do you have a semi-private room? And what other, what level of care? I had some uh, folks that um, his, their, uh, the father was in the nursing home, had Alzheimer, and, and they wanted someone to come in and be with him to get, make sure he got dressed in the morning, make sure he got down to breakfast and get him to the game room, get him to the activities. And so companionship so, type stuff. Yeah, but, yep. but just to make sure that he was functioning because they actually, um, he had his issues caused him to have to take the stove out of the room. Wow. So, there, wow. so they said, they, we want someone with dad to have a, a great quality of life as he ends his life here. But that was, that was, um, that was about eight grand a month just for the caretakers. You know, this whole issue of cost of care and doing research on that, there's a pretty cool app, actually, that you can get for your smartphone. Um, it, it's put out by a company called Genworth, which is an insurance company that kind of specializes in this area, and it's called the Cost of Care app. You can download it. I actually have it on my phone, and it, it basically gives you the average cost for home health care or adult daycare. There's assisted living averages and then also nursing homes. So, uh, you, you know, you can break it down by region and see pretty closely what are the average costs. But ultimately, it, it you have to break it down to looking at the specific facilities or the care providers that you're interested in using. Yeah, you've got to shop it a little bit. I was actually at, on that website, Genworth with a G, and for our area, a private room in a nursing home is about seventy-two to eighty-five thousand a year. So we're talking six to seven grand a month. Wow. That is serious. That could be wreak serious havoc on your overall financial life and your financial plan. When we come back, we're going to be talking about some common mistakes as people are trying to deal with this financially, but then also what we'd recommend, some ways to wisely, should I say, wisely plan for this in your financial life moving forward. So we've got that and more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group here on 95.3 MNC. Lean on me when you're not This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, your breaking news and weather station. Hello and welcome back to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group here on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I'm Mike, joined with Kevin and Josh. We're talking about long-term care and needing long-term care services. We're going to get to insurance, long-term care insurance, in just a minute when we're talking about planning for this. Um, but we just broke down the need and the cost that, you know, this is a risk that we all need to pay attention to in our overall lives and financial lives. And then that the cost is significant, outrageous, if you will. Before we talk about the right ways to plan for this risk, let's talk about some of the mistakes first. I think the very first mistake, and this is true of any form of planning, uh, not just this particular area, but waiting too long to get started planning, I think, is one of the biggest mistakes that people can make. Well, it narrows your options, right? Is that what you're, is that where you're exactly. going? Exactly. That's right. 
as you get older, your options for how you're going to provide for this care, how you're going to fund it, uh, what protection you can put in place against it, all those things, it's it's a shrinking list as you get older. But also... You know, you just mentioned long-term care insurance, and as the risk goes up, either the cost or maybe even just the availability in general, it, it starts to work against you. Cost goes up, you may not be eligible anymore, that kind of thing. So getting started too late is probably one of the worst mistakes that you can make, and that's why we're pushing so hard for you to start these conversations early. Yeah, so you hit procrastination there, Joshua, but I would say even denial denying that it could ever happen. And what denial does, it puts you in this kind of safe, comfortable place where you're saying, well, this isn't going to happen to me or it's never happened to anyone in my family or uh, these types of things. And so that that prevents you from actually developing a strategy to deal with this. You end up underestimating the impact on your family. You could end up underestimating the cost of care. There are all these potential problems that come with denial So this is where we would encourage folks to start that conversation. Wherever you are in the family, I would encourage you to get it started. If you're not the appropriate person to get it started, find the person in the family to get it started. You know, this might be a little bit of a rabbit trail, but something you just said there about the cost to the family really sparked something in my memory. And I want to share a quick statistic or two here because the cost to the caregiver so if, if your spouse has some sort of chronic illness and you're caring for them long term, the statistics say that you'll have a 63% higher mortality rate by just caring for someone who has, I mean, it, it literally yep. wears on your nerves, wears on your body. Yep. And when you're caring for a person with dementia, I, I've seen this one firsthand, that will have an impact on the caregiver's own immune system for up to three years after they're done giving the care. Wow. I mean, it takes a long time for a caregiver to bounce back from just the rigors and the demands of caring for someone. And that is, it's one of those costs that you don't always pay attention to. And sometimes family is the only option because you waited too long or you were in denial. You didn't have a game plan up front. You know, one of the mistakes that I'm I'm hearing in both of your stories is uh, some clients of mine recently I met with these folks probably four years ago when we talked about long-term care and how to plan for this risk for them. And they were just adamantly in denial. So hitting on what you said, Kevin, and they refused to even entertain an idea of planning for this. Well, this past year and a half, uh, they had to broach how to care for mom and dad. And they didn't have a plan set up. Mom and dad didn't. And neither did these folks that I serve. And so they ended up, the decision they, they made was to put a $100,000 addition onto their house, talk about expensive, have mom and dad move in, have one of the siblings quit their job, and have one sibling watch during the day, the other one watch at night. And here, as I've watched these two siblings, you can just see the, the wear and tear that it's created on them physically and mentally. It's been a huge cost, all because this is the mistake when it was time for care for mom and dad, they said, us oh, too expensive. We're not going to send mom and dad to get care because that's too costly. Notice I said they put a $100,000 addition on their house that who knows if they'll get back. And two, it cost them a lot of their physical and emotional health that I think is very, it, it's going to be very tangible and evident. It'd be, it'd be interesting. You know how they take pictures of a president at the beginning of their first term and then you see another picture of them four years or eight years later and just how much that role has aged them. Yeah, I, I bet it would be equally 
uh, stark in the contrast between the day you start providing care to someone and when they eventually pass years later. It it absolutely takes a physical toll, and the fact that you've seen it firsthand, I, I think, is just further evidence of that. But yeah, I've seen it firsthand too, and I think it's important to make the distinction between caring for and taking care of someone. So caring for means I can drive by the house a couple times a week, make sure that someone's getting the mail and and that the lawn is mowed. But taking care of is that where I'm around them 24 hours a day. And I've seen just to your statistic, Josh, about the, the wear and tear on the caregiver. I've seen as soon as dad goes in the nursing home, mom needs three to five months to just recover because right up until the end, she was getting up with him in the middle of the night, dealing with whatever issues. And so it does. It can absolutely drain the life right out of you. Mm. And, and if, you're, if you're in denial, it's, it's hard to say, hey, well, I have a problem here and I need to deal with it and it's going gr- it's to cost some money here. If you're just joining us here on Wise Money, uh, Kevin, Mike, Josh in the studio, we're talking about long-term care and, and needing long-term care service at some point in your life. And we haven't yet turned the table to start talking about solutions. Right now we're talking about some mistakes as, as people have, have dealt with this. Another mistake we haven't yet touched on is people just assuming that their health insurance or Medicare will cover this. I mean, we've touched on a few stories about, well, how do you take care of someone yourself? But I, there's a lot of people out there that just assume, oh, Medicare handles that or my health insurance handles that. That's a enormous mistake because it's not true. Right. It's one of the biggest misconceptions and probably one of the reasons why people don't get started planning because they think they've already got it in the bag. The government's going to take care of me, right? I'll give you an example of Medicare not stepping in. And and this example, I keep going back to this 93-year-old lady this week going into a nursing home. And in order to have Medicare pay for any part of it, she needed to have been in the hospital as an inpatient uh, well, inpatient patient. Yep. Um, and she hasn't been there for three days. She was there for six days as an outpatient. Oh, you're kidding. That's right. And so it doesn't count. Medicare won't step in and help pay for this nursing home care. Even if they had, though, it's limited to a maximum of 100 days. Maximum. So, you have right. to get uh, extensions to get beyond uh, just a couple days even. Right, so. right. So the planets have to align for Medicare to pony up any kind of money for uh, your nursing care. And even when they do, it's limited so much. So th- this idea that Medicare is going to pick up the bill for you, it- it's really a mistake. Um, it- it's a misconception. Yeah, and I think a lot of people even uh, when they hear you say that you've got to be in the hospital for a certain period of time, a lot of people might be thinking of an example of, yeah, I actually recall someone really being ushered out of the hospital very quickly. Oh, you can't get better? See ya. You're out of here. Right. And I know I have that story in my own personal life as well. Yeah, I think another mistake folks make is assuming that a trust or some legal document that they have is going to protect their estate from long-term care. And if that is the situation that you're in right now, I would just encourage you to go back to your attorney and confirm that's exactly what is supposed to be happening. If you still believe it is, I might even get a second opinion. It's probably another show to go in and deal with all the the, the finer points of that. But this is what I would tell you. Your, your trust isn't going to protect you 
from long-term care as a kind of a general rule? Yeah, I think some people assume that assets in the trust are somehow outside of their control, and therefore it makes them eligible for Medicaid, which we'll touch on hopefully here in just a moment. And and like Kevin said, check with your elder law attorney because likely that is not true. And there are various kinds of trusts and all of that. So I'm not going to speak too broad, but likely isn't true. You know, I'll give you one more uh, mistake that I've seen, uh, a story that I've witnessed where literally husband was on his deathbed and he says to his elderly wife, honey, whatever you do, make sure you never lose the house. You got to stay in the house, honey, and you'll be fine. Well, this lady now is kind of sworn to her her husband, her late husband, that, oh, yeah, I'm going to stay in the house forever. Even if staying in the house makes no sense whatsoever in your changing circumstances. You know, she lived another decade beyond him and needed to go into some sort of an assisted living facility, but she refused to. And it cost her all kinds of money bringing people into the home and um, you know, making sure that she got the care, but she was getting it in a very expensive way and it wasn't safe for her. But she felt sworn to her husband because that was his last dying wish for her. That's part of some of the advice we're going to get to in the next segment, talking about how do you plan for this. Coming up on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group here on 95.3 MNC. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, your breaking news and weather station. Welcome back to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group here on 95.3 MNC. I'm Mike, joined with Kevin and Josh, and we are talking about long-term care service and how to plan for that financially. We're going to be hitting listener questions coming up. If you have a question for the show, you can do so two ways, wisemoneyradio.com. And there's a question section right there on the right. And you can also check out previous episodes and everything. The link to the podcast is right there. Or if you're driving, you don't want to use that uh, internet thing. You can just use your phone to call someone, right? When's the last time you did that? That's you can so call us. Fashioned. It is. You can call us, 574-222-2000. Leave your question that way. We will answer it on an upcoming show. There's still a little bit left to get to with long-term care. In fact, the most important part, and that is, well, how in the world do you plan for this thing? Financially, we mentioned last time some big mistakes. Procrastinating is one. Uh, being in denial is another. Um, so what? how do you plan for this? What's the right way to do it? Yeah, you know, anytime you're talking about managing risk, my mind always goes to insurance. We're going to get there. But I think it's important to also pay attention to the preventative medicine that you bake into your life. You know, you don't just buy car insurance you buy car insurance and you expect that your teenage son or daughter isn't texting while driving, right? You've got rules for that. You prevent. You don't just have insurance for it. Or you don't just buy homeowner's insurance. You also have smoke detectors or an alarm system in, in the house. You, you focus on limiting the loss. And I think that that's still possible even when we're talking about long-term care. It, here's a, a question for you. What is, this is pop quiz, what is the number one cause of death or major health problems amongst seniors? You know? Heart attack. Heart attack? Heart issue. Do you have a guess? Dementia. Dementia. No. It's falls. Hmm. They fall. They get injured, and then it sparks this domino effect of another illness, time in the hospital where they pick up some crazy virus, or that's time in the, the surgeon's office, and they go under the knife, and that creates problems. So how do you help prevent or to, to eliminate the need for long-term care in your life? 
is start to do things now that could help you limit the falls. I actually just read a book that says that the way you do that, and this, this was crazy for me to think that seniors need to do this, but they need to do strength training. Even when you get old, you still need to work out. You still need to exercise. And it's not because you need, you know, strong bustle, muscles where you look like a bodybuilder. It's because it creates these neural pathways in your body that help you know, am I about to fall? Or when you start to stumble, you get the message up to your brain and back again and you catch yourself. That's where, uh, you know, as people get older, they lose that ability. So paying attention to this, paying attention to the things you could do today to avoid the problem altogether, I think is really important. Absolutely. Go see Marla at Peak Fast. She will take care of you. <laughs> get those pathways going to the neurons. And she, you know, you can go to that gym and she will not make you feel like a dumbbell. Oh my I mean, goodness! It, That's it is awesome. Really awful. painful. So okay, so so one way to plan for this is to prevent it and, and strengthen up. I actually heard an elder law attorney say the five ways that people plan for this risk, and the very first one caught me off guard, and I've been using it ever since. He said it's the D or the D I L is how most people plan, and I was like, what? Where's he going with this? The D or the D I L, which is, is daughter or daughter-in-law. He said huh. 60%, which floored me, said 60% of families out there just assume that if I need care, my daughter's going to take care of me or my daughter-in-law is going to take care of me. Just assume. Now, again, in the, in the scary story I told you earlier, that's kind of what happened by default. They just didn't want to pay the nursing home, so the daughters took care of mom and dad, and it just really took a toll on them. But that's most people's plan. And in this day and age where most families need to live on two incomes, where people, because of technology or whatever, are more transient, so not as many people live near where they grew up, I think that's a harder and harder assumption to make. And that's a plan that probably hasn't even been talked about. I was just going to say, I'm sitting here picturing my parents having that conversation with my wife. So you're going to take care of us when we're old, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> guys, actually, there's something I've wanted to talk to you guys about. <laughs> well, there is a preferred or, or real logical way, the most proactive way, I think, to plan for this. And you got to be healthy and so on and exercise and all of that. But we've, we've talked about there's a specific type of insurance that covers this. Healthcare doesn't, or health insurance and Medicare, they don't cover long-term care needs and services, but long-term care insurance does. Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, you know, I think of long-term care insurance as basically a policy that you can go purchase that essentially says, if you get to the point where your physical or your mental capacity has deteriorated and you can't live independently unless you get help with certain normal parts of your daily living, activities of daily living is the jargon I think that we used earlier, um, then this is a policy that could actually pay out money to help you purchase that care for yourself. Actually pay for the care that you need because you can't do those maintenance activities for yourself any longer. That's right. And, and I think you maybe rattled these off earlier, but... Some of them. There, it's, it's things like bathing or dressing, eating, using the bathroom... Mm -hmm. or continence, which is not using the bathroom right. at the wrong times there. And, and then transferring, you know, getting from one position to the next, being able to shift around, move throughout the home, that kind of thing. And I also said earlier that, that those, the inability to do some of those things could be caused by a surgery or for a big change in your health condition, but also could be caused by cognitive impairment. 
dementia and Alzheimer's, that's the one that's real personal to me and the one I have a lot of examples going through where you can't do those things because now your brain is not operating the way it's supposed to. So we said earlier at the onset of the show that when that happens, you need to probably pay for care, maybe go into a nursing home or have home health care, and that can be very expensive. This insurance steps in and pays that bill or a portion of it. Well, that's right. And modern day long-term care policies really buy you options, right? I mean, that's the whole reason that you would look into this because you're being proactive. You mentioned a nursing home or having home health care uh, coming in. There, there's also assisted living or adult daycare. So there's a there's more variety. It, it used to be that long-term care insurance was literally known as nursing home nursing insurance, home, yeah. right? But it's much more than that. And the whole reason that you do this planning is to give yourself options. You know, when I think about long-term care insurance, I think about the risk and really what people are dealing with the risk of is making a nursing home or some sort of care facility or caregiver the, the, one of the major beneficiaries of what they've worked their whole life to accumulate. So one of the ways to protect your assets is to give them away, and there's all kinds of uh, problems and issues that come with that. Another is to just protect them, and long-term care insurance is a way to transfer the risk to an insurance company to make sure that you're not spending through the inheritance. And, and if you, because a lot of times people say, well, I'm not a big fan of insurance. And you say, well, when you think about the beneficiaries of what you've accumulated, who do you want it to be? Would it, if it's a toss up between your kids and a nursing home, which one would you pick? Here's the one I get all the time. And that is, well, yeah, it's for me. What do they care? No, trust me, the kids care. If you're if you're losing it or you need to go into a nursing home, the kids are going to fight and do whatever they can Absolutely. to get someone else to pay for it and protect the money. I hear that all the time. That oh, I won't care. You know, I'm I'll be done with it by then. They can yeah, you can use it to pay for a nursing home. Not the kids. The kids don't want that. Hmm. So anyway, we we're probably going to spend an entire show breaking down long-term care insurance because it's very unique, has a lot of moving pieces. In fact, the state of Indiana has a very special type of insurance. And we know the listenership is throughout the country, actually, but certainly a lot in Michigan and Indiana. So we're going to break down the components of long-term care. But in the, the last moments here, before we get to listener questions, there's another way of transferring this risk that's a little more um, risque. That word was kicked out earlier. And that's using life insurance that has a a rider on it. There are some risks with that, but that's a way to transfer this risk. And same with something called an annuity. We're not going to go into it, but there are certain riders or packages you can pay for through an, an annuity investment that help manage this risk for you. It doesn't completely transfer it, but manage it. So what's your opinion on when someone should start looking at this? I, yeah, good good question. To me, when I started in the business, it was yeah, 60, 65. Not anymore. It's just too expensive and so on. To me, you gotta you gotta answer this question by fifty-five, fifty-seven. Yeah, I mean the day before you need it, really. But you want <laughs> you really want to look at this when you start hitting fifty and say, Am I gonna live with the risk or transfer it? If I'm transferring it and using the tool of some type of an insurance product then you need to do it while you're healthy. That's a great question. We've had that question by a listener on the show before. Coming up in just a minute, we're going to be hitting several listener questions uh, right here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group right here, 95.3 MNC. Maybe you see the signs. 
This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, your breaking news and weather station. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran & Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Hello and welcome to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group here on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. My name is Mike Bernard and with me in the studio, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. The entire show so far has been all about planning for long-term care and possibly needing long-term care services in the future. We were just talking about insurance, which is our preferred method of planning for that proactively. But now, this is my favorite part of the show. We are hitting listener questions. If you have a question, I'm assuming we sparked several of them while we were talking about long-term care. It is confusing stuff. If you have a question for the show, you can submit it two ways. Give us a call, 574-222-2000. Leave your question that way. You're not going to be on live. Or you can go to the website, wisemoneyradio.com. You can leave your question right there on the right and listen to previous episodes and all of that fun stuff. So first question is from Tom. I've heard you mention on the show before that there are some apps that help you categorize your debit card expenses for your budget. Would you mind recommending a couple of those that you have experience with? Thanks. I mentioned this is one of the most common budgeting questions that we get because most people, as we're working with them on budgeting, they're like, how, how do you do this? <laughs> it takes so much stinking time. How do you cut some of the time out of this? Yeah. You know, I've, I've always been a Quicken junkie myself, and uh, it, it's basically a, a software tool that you put on your computer and it logs everything. And it, it has some automation to it, but it's a lot of work, to be honest which is one of the reasons why I have also used at, at times mint.com. M-I-N-T. M-I-N-T. That's right. And they have an app that you can download on your, your phone. And you basically connect your bank accounts with this app, and it gets live data feeds every single day, real time. So it's tracking it automatically. You don't have to do a bunch of work. But the problem is the fact that you're not involved means that it's kind of happening behind the scenes and it's not really serving the function of keeping your eye on the ball. Right. If, you, if you've got a behavior that you need to change, involvement is the catalyst of change. And an automated software tool that categorizes your expenses isn't a ton of involvement. I like Mint as well. For our clients, they all have their own online budgeting tool app. And it's very similar to Mint. Really, the work that's required is sometimes you'll swipe that debit card at Martin's and it will say you just went shopping instead of groceries. So you got to tell it, no, no, that was a grocery. Categorize that this way. And you tell it to memorize it. But then it's on autopilot. Once there, though, it's not just set it and forget it. I would encourage you to tune in at least once a week. I I go to church on Sunday. After church, I tune into my budget for 15 minutes and just say, okay, we expected to spend this much. Here's where we're currently at. Hey, honey, we need to cool it with this, even if something's on sale or, yeah, let's go bananas or something. <laughs> well, exactly. I mean, that's the key is you can't just budget and plan where the money's going to go. You have to actually measure and make sure that it went to the things that were most important. It, measure twice. Gotta, that's yeah. right. Good show. In it's your budget. Yeah. yeah. So the best system, though, is the one that you're going to use. And, you, you know, you have to don't just download it onto your phone. Use it and apply it in your life. The last one I throw out there is you need a budget. YNAB. I, it, it, didn't, it didn't scratch my itch, but I've got some clients that love it, that absolutely love it. And I think it's just an Excel sheet that you have to do a lot of stuff manually, but I think it 
I think it really helps a lot of Can folks. Can you spell so, that for us, Mike? YNAB. You just did. Y-N-A-B dot com. You I need believe. a budget is you the name of the budget. tool. So that wasn't a joke. That's for serious. All right. <laughs> okay. Good. Next, next question is Nancy from South Bend. She says, when you're shopping for a mortgage, what does APR mean? I know there's an interest rate, but then there's also APR listed right next to it. I'm not sure what that means. And then I must say, guys, I'm not adding this. She added this. I really enjoy your show every Saturday. Thanks. Which is awesome. <laughs> Thanks, Nancy. Thanks for listening. And Nancy I, is Mike's mom, by the way. <laughs> that is well, now Leanne is offended. Yeah. So Leanne's my mom. No, but Nancy asked a good question. That scary document, one of the several scary documents that you sign when you're signing your life away at the title company at that mortgage, there's this one sheet and it shows you your interest rate and shows you all the money you're gonna spend for the principal and interest. Also shows you the APR. So who can help define that for? Well, it's basically the interest. What, what's the effective interest rate that you're paying when they include all the fees that are also charged on the mortgage, right? Yep. So it, you, you might think that your interest rate is 4%, but the APR is a little bit higher than that. They, they add some extra numbers after the decimal point to include the fees effectively. The closing costs, right? Yeah. That it and, yeah. And, okay. So should you shop based on APR or do you shop based on interest rate? I think that's kind of her question. Does this really matter? I, I think that the way that I encourage people to shop for a mortgage is you want to get something known as a good faith estimate from maybe a series of banks, but you have to get the good faith estimate all on the same day because basically they're offering, here's what the interest rate would be if you were to refinance or get a mortgage with us today at this moment in time, and the good faith estimate lays out what those closing costs would be. So you need to be able to compare not just the interest rate, but what's it going to cost you to actually do this loan, to close the loan? What kind of fees are they tucking in there? Good faith estimate is their way of putting it in writing. Yeah, it's a really, it's a good way to do apples for apples. And exactly. We, we work with First State Bank on that all the time. They're a sponsor on the show. You could give them a call and ask for a good faith estimate and they'll give you the, the, the whole thing so you can make a fair comparison side by side with, you know, whoever else you're talking to. Yeah, on a scale of one to ten, though, Nancy, I I make that a two. I mean, it's it's not a huge deal when you think APR versus interest rate. Just think golf score. You want to have a low number. The lower the number, the better. So I'll give you an example. I'm looking today at rates. Fifteen year rates are three percent. So the interest rate is three percent. The APR is three point oh nine five percent. So the APR is a little bit more. But what that means is if you borrow $100,000 at 3%, about 250 bucks a month in the first year is going to in- interest. So your payment might be a three, you know, 300 bucks a month all in. So think, uh, and, and I'm looking at 30 years at 3.75. Now that's the interest rate, the APR at 3.801. So the APR is always going to be a little bit more, but and just compare apples for apples. If you're comparing interest rate, Compare interest rates. If you're comparing APRs, compa- compare APRs. But you want the lo- the lower, the better. Yep. And I cannot believe rates are that low. That is crazy. All right. Next questioner is from Anonymous Snowbird. Literally, that's how it came in. So if I have a Florida residence and I'm there six months out of the year, do I have to pay Indiana income tax, state tax, on the income that I earned on my Indiana business. Now, I think, well, I personally have a lot of clients who are snowbirds. 
And they still, some of them, in fact, I'm thinking of right now, good friends of mine have two businesses up here in Indiana, but they spend a decent chunk of their year down in, in Florida. Now, and the reason why this really matters, folks, is Florida doesn't have a state tax. Right. So if the state tax in Florida was 5%, Indiana was 5%, you'd say, well, that's a push. But the state, now property taxes are a lot higher, but there's no income tax down in Florida. So... Yeah, Here's the principle question. here, though. It's an Indiana-based business, right? Yeah. And Indiana is going to want to tax the profits on that business because it's it's domiciled here. It's it's based here. Mm-hmm. So even though they may be a resident of Florida and spend at least half their time down there, the profits on the business are going to be taxed in Indiana. The wages, you know, the salary maybe that they're taking out of the business could be treated as the state that they're a resident in. So that would be Florida income, no state tax in that case. Interesting. In order to be considered, though, a Florida resident, even though you have two residences, you've got to be in Florida the majority of the time. And she's saying six months, so you're right on the cuff there. I'd work with your CPA on that, make sure you guys have the right strategy in place. Yeah, I think Josh's point to make the distinction between wages or unearned income that come in versus uh, things directly from the business but I, when I think about that, I think Florida, Texas, those are two states that don't have an income tax, uh, a state income tax. And actually, when you think about Michigan, Michigan, it used to be if you're taking uh, money from a retirement plan, you didn't pay income, state income tax on that as well. Uh, good Governor Rick Snyder was able to get that changed for the benefit of all the citizens. So now uh, if you're younger than a certain age, you will have the opportunity to pay taxes on that. that thanks for ending the show on a really depressing note. Yeah, I'm, I'm here to help. <laughs> all right, folks, that's all the time we have for today. If you missed anything, check out the podcast or go to the website, wisemoneyradio.com, or you can check out the podcast on iTunes. So want to thank you all for tuning in to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. I am Mike Bernard, and on behalf of me and Kevin and Josh and the rest of us at KFG, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group here on News Talk 95.3, Michigan's News Again. Securities are offered through Securities America, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. Financial advisors offer advisory services through KFG Wealth Management, LLC, doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC, Corhorn Financial Group, KFG Insurance Agency, and KFG Tax and Business Services are separate entities from Securities America, Inc. Tax services provided by KFG Tax and Business Services and insurance services provided by KFG Insurance Agency. Listen again next week to Wise Money on News Talk 95.3 Michiana's News Channel.